If you've got the right attitude, people will help you. So it's not about knowing everything. It's about the attitude and the change that you're willing to go through to get to learning something that is more critical. Welcome to Startup Jobs, a podcast where we explore all the different jobs in a tech startup. What exactly are they? And what have we learned from scaling teams from the inside? While most startup content focuses on the founder or investor or specific area like marketing, this show is about accelerating your personal and career growth journey in whatever startup job is best for you. Yeah, exactly, Kai. Like this show is about you. We want you to be the very best that you can be. Hey, Mike. We're back. We are back. It's exciting. Kai, joining us live from Bali while I'm still in Oz. Uh, I will see you soon. Super pumped about today's uh, show. We are talking with JJ, someone who I've worked with, um, and he's, in my opinion, probably known as Australia's best uh, tech recruiter. He runs a company called Think and Grow. Um, They're really active in the tech community uh, from sort of junior roles to senior roles. They they put out a bunch of um, content around like a salary guide that actually says all the different roles that you could have um, within a startup. So really, really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, I um, I'm in Bali for our annual offsite. Um, we're going to be doing a, a live episode um, in in some of the coming shows from nice. our offsite, which is exciting. But it, it's meant that today my um my, my internet has been unreliable, so it's um it's mainly you and uh, and JJ riffing on a bunch of stuff. Um, but it's it's primarily around sort of you know the makeup of of startup teams and yeah. how you might approach getting into that mix. Yeah, no, it was, a, it was a great conversation. We cover senior roles as well. Um, I think what might be useful for those that are brand new to startups, I might just sort of give a, a flyover of the different types of roles that we talk about. And then JJ also right. describes um, like seed, series A, series B, series C companies and, and sort of VC backed or what have you. So I'll, I'll sort of quickly um, explain that as well, which will sort of make the, the conversation um, easy to digest for those that are not familiar with those terms. Yeah. So I think like when you, when you think about a, a tech company, I would say that there's primarily three buckets. So the bucket one is revenue generating or um, servicing that, that new revenue. So this is where you're obviously winning new customers on the sales side, you know, marketing, you're trying to find them. Um, customer success you're wanting to keep um, and make sure that those customers are successful and you're, you're retaining that revenue um, or you're servicing that revenue. Important. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty important, especially if you want to grow. <laughs> um, so the second one is what I would call product. Um, and so obviously as a tech uh, company, you know, our product is primarily software. And so then on the product side, um, they're responsible for finding, validating, creating, designing and building the product um, that people are going to pay for. So um you know, there's a whole range of roles here from product to design to engineering, and I'll quickly unpack those. Um, then the third bucket, so bucket one is revenue generating, revenue uh, servicing. Bucket two is uh, building and creating a product. Um, the third bucket is what I sort of call the operating system. And so these are pretty common across all businesses, right? So there's a finance yeah. function. There's an ops function um, and there's a people, you know, slash HR function, um, et cetera. So we'll, we'll, I'll touch on on some of those roles. Um, which one of these buckets would you like to start on, Kai? Uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear a little bit more about uh, the, the product sort of roles, mm. mainly because obviously it's, uh, you know, it's an important piece to get right. You can't go to market with nothing, right? So you have to have yes. some, some form of value built in some way. So let's start there. Great. So... 
Uh, on the product side, the, it's often known as the three legs of a stool. So the three anchor roles within a product organization is product management, design, and engineering. So the product manager, their job is to um, understand the market, understand the customer, understand the pain points, and ultimately have a think about like where could we like what what features could we build? What could we create um, that would would, uh, would 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 hit the would hit the mark? They then work closely with the design team, and then in the design team, um, sitting under design, there's probably like three to four layers. Like one layer is a research layer, um, so they're like really understanding and they're doing user interviews and, and things like that. Then there's a UX layer, a user experience layer. They're doing wireframes, like where the button's going to sit. Um, and then you're going to have a UI layer. So this is like the visual design. This is the stuff that looks really, really beautiful. And then you might uh-huh. have a brand um, you know, st- uh, type type of design that sits, um, may sit in marketing, may sit in, in product. So the first one is product management. Uh, the second one is design, and then the third one uh, is engineering. So the this is the the, the software developers, um, and they obviously start everywhere from you know sort of junior all the way up to uh, principal engineering. Um, there's a support function for the engineering team um, called Q and A, so quality and assurance. And this could actually be a really really great entry point. You know, if you if you don't have software development chops. Um, but you've really got an attention to detail, right? Basically, your job is to try to break shit. So um, QA is quite an interesting entry point as well. So in product, we've got the three legs of a stool, product management, design, and engineering. Sitting within the product team um, is uh, usually a team called product marketing. Um, And so um, they are, you know, if you're releasing a new feature, how does your customers know what this is? Um, You know, if you're going to work with the sales and the marketing team, like how would you position the three most important features? How would you talk about it? How would you talk about it relative to competitors? Um, And then there's another role that sits within product, um, you know, data engineering or data science. Um, And this is all the data plumbing that you have all the way up to kind of the reporting and doing some analysis. Got it. Yeah. That's, that's a great overview of the product team. Now it's, uh, it's obviously no good if no one knows about the product. So uh, maybe let's talk about that, that revenue generating. Yeah. Great. So let's fly over to the revenue generating, revenue keeping, revenue servicing. And this is something that Jojo and I talked uh, a bit about. So obviously the first role would be marketing. Um, and there is a dire need within the tech uh, industry to have uh, really, really great growth marketing um, skills. So, you know, how do you both not only do online ads, like how do you create LinkedIn ads and Facebook ads where people actually want to click on it and learn more about your service? Um, but there's a whole there's a whole range of uh, roles that sit under marketing. On the sales side, particularly B2B, there's a couple of roles there that we talked about. So a BDR is a business development rep. So this is where you're going, hey, I think we can help these types of customers that are in these types of roles. Um, you know, I'm going to reach out to them, you know, through a mix of um well-crafted emails or cold calls even, but you're doing it in a very modern customer-centric way. So that's a BDR, also known as an SDR. And then when a customer's like, oh, shit, this is actually quite interesting. I think this product could um, help us. Then that's when an account executive would get involved, an AE or sometimes called an account manager. Um, And then they would then work with the customer 
Um, there's also a role that sits in the revenue generation team that I would call like uh, revenue ops. Um, and so this is where they're doing, mm. you know, some analysis of, um, you know, how many customers are we talking to? How many go from stage one to stage two? Okay, we're losing 50% of customers that don't want to talk to us anymore after we demo with them. You know, why is that? And they're doing some analysis. So, you know, if you sort of got that analytical brain, but you're sort of interested on the on the customer orientation, um, sort of revenue ops is a really interesting role. So we talked about sales. We talked about marketing. Um, the other role that Jojo and I talk about, which I am really passionate about, and he said this is one of the hottest in-demand roles to get into tech, uh, which is customer success. Mm. And customer success is really around, all right, you just signed up for our service. You just signed up for Acme because you want to um, streamline your payroll better, you know, or, you know, let's say you're a hospitality company, you just signed up to deputy. Okay. Previously you're managing spreadsheets for everyone's um, uh, shifts and people getting paid and like communicating. It's all broken on WhatsApp and have you. Okay. So you've signed up for a deputy <laughs> service. Um, then the customer success manager will then work with that business to go, okay, well, why did you sign up for this app? Why did you sign up for this service? Okay, because you wanted to, re you know, reduce that risk. You wanted to save that amount of time, you know, whatever it may be, you wanted to be more efficient here. And then the customer success um, manager will be like, okay, well, we're going to help ensure that as you start using our product and, your serv and our service, that you are successful in those outcomes. So the customer success team and the manager is really the custodian of the customer, ensuring that, um, they're going to use the product and that they're going to ultimately be successful with it. And if you've done a great job with that, then potentially there's more services that you may be interested in. So um, customer success is a wonderful entry point into the world of um, startups. Yeah, that, that revenue sort of customer world, like that's also a fascinating place because uh, this is also true in product, I'm sure, but there has to be some really good handover between the BDR, yes. the account executive and the CSM and there's lots, lots of ways to do that, obviously, but um, but they they got to work really well together, don't they? Indeed, indeed. And then supporting the CS team, uh, the customer success team, is usually a support service, and this is usually where, you know, someone's got some issues. Um, they're not quite too sure how to use a particular uh, feature. Maybe there was a bug. Um, and so, yeah, they're managing uh, those support tickets, you know, either via email or via chat, um, you know, maybe via phone. Um, and that, that's a really, really great uh, entry point and a lot of great support folks, you know, land in customer success, you know, and from customer success, you either go more senior there or you may go over to a product role, you may go over to a, a sales role, you may go to a marketing role. So um, services is also a really great entry point. Yeah, excellent. So those are the sort of um, the two core components of building the value and getting that value to folks. Um, that's, mm. that's an awesome overview. And then to, to wrap up this sort of quick flyover of the roles here, What's that That third piece? Yeah, the third piece is what I call the operating system. And this is pretty similar to most other businesses. Um, but I will just touch on where in the tech world, we <laughs> we need more, more great people um, and sort of a couple of roles that really stand out that um, are a great, great place to join, even if you don't have the specific experience. So obviously in finance, you know, there's kind of like bookkeeping, FP&A, financial planning and analysis. Um, you know, there's like, you know, governance pieces. There's even roles like in helping, you know, if the company needs to raise money, et cetera. I mean, those roles, mm. you really do need to come from a finance background. So the other role is on the people side. Uh, so this is like people HR type of roles. And, you know, sure, like it's great if you've come from a HR background because you understand like, you know, those, those basic 
basics. But I would say like we're really open to people that are just passionate about, you know, what does it mean to create a, um, a great culture and a great environment? Um, and so, you know, we often think about, okay, what does it mean to have high performing teams? And look, there's a bunch of plumbing that's required. Like how do we do annual salary reviews, performance reviews? You know, how do we mm. promote people? How do we manage someone if they're underperforming? So there's a bunch of those kind of like structural elements, but then there's also some higher uh, level elements around like culture. Um, you know, how do how do we have high performing teams? How do we help you know new managers become great um, managers? How do we capture the insights of the team? You know, what are the big concerns on people's minds? You know, how do we keep improving as a, as a, as an organization? You know, so if that world uh, is interesting, then there's a bunch of um, uh, people roles, and then mm. just finally under that like operating system uh so there's finance there's people there's a range of other what i would call like important um head office roles both on the senior side whether that's like a, a chief of staff or a coo could be a really great entry point you know if you're 10 15 years into your career and you want to come across to startups um those roles could be really interesting and, and jj and i talk about that you know as well as a range of other roles whether that's you know supporting out with some general um logistics or reporting or some other um business ops you know that can also be a really great entry point as well so I think that that probably gives a pretty comprehensive view of all the different major types of roles within a startup. The final thing that I mentioned that Jojo covers are the different stages um, of a tech startup's maturity. Uh, this is actually in their salary guide. Uh, so a seed stage company, you know, is very early. They're probably less than 10 employees. Um, you know, Series A, uh, they're probably somewhere between 20 to, th- uh, so 10 to 30 employees. They've taken, you know, maybe uh, upwards of $5 million, you know, going towards Series B, you know, they've taken anywhere from sort of 10 to um, $30 million. Maybe they're a team size of 30 to maybe upwards of 100. And then it sort of goes up from there. So when he talks about Series A, B, um, you know, C, he's really talking about the different types of funding and, and really the stage and the maturity of a startup. Excellent. Well, really excited to hear this chat. And with that overview of, of what the sort of landscape looks like, we'll, uh, we'll jump in. Hello, JJ. How's it going, mate? Welcome to Startup Jobs. Absolute pleasure to have you. Um, I certainly view you as probably the best tech startup recruiter uh, there is. So, um, yeah, looking forward to getting your perspectives. But maybe for those who aren't familiar with JJ and Think and Grow, it would be great to get the, the quick intro. Sure. Thanks uh, so much, Michael, for having me in your kind words. Um, yeah, so my name is JJ, co-founder of Think and Grow. Um, we are founded in Australia, Melbourne, Sydney and London and then advanced ourselves into Brisbane, Perth and Singapore and Dubai over the coming years since uh, inception. Um, we specialised, you know, as a group for the last 15 years from dot-com crash to today in the fast growth tech space. Um, and so our services involve, you know, really end-to-end recruitment from board down. And so our services, as Michael is well aware, in his previous experience with us, um, you know, started as the C-suite and the board, um, but we've developed solutions to support day-to-day hires and something he's perhaps not as cross as much, but in recent years, we've run a government and a Victorian-backed program called Retrained, mm. which is to retrain people from white collar experiences and no experience in technology into the tech ecosystem Mm. our current program called project one which is to focus on females specifically from um, priority worker groups into retraining them into the tech ecosystem into entry-level roles across the ecosystem so we, we we firmly believe in what michael and the team are doing here in educating people around the startup jobs 
area. So it's a pleasure to be involved. That's great. Looking forward to unpacking that a little bit more. I think maybe like a good place to start is if you sort of think of all the major functions that sit within a a startup and I suppose we'll we'll skew a little bit B2B SaaS because that tends to be the more common one. It'd be interesting to see across those different areas, like where do you see good entry points into a startup? Maybe for someone that's maybe on the junior side, let's maybe think like graduate first three years of their career. Um, Where do you see good entry points um, into a startup? Yeah, so for for those who, you know, are are less away with um, the startup ecosystem, like Australia is renowned for B2B SaaS businesses, which Mm. is why I was like talking about B2B SaaS. But in Melbourne specifically, we're really well known for marketplace businesses, which are more community-based industry businesses. And a lot of people won't understand that see car sales, REA, Invato, which in the grand scheme of the world, a multiple billion dollar business marketplace businesses are built out of Melbourne. And there's some similar footprints up in Sydney, but Sydney tends to be like the Alassian in the canvas, the B2B and the B2C SaaS based. Mm. But, you know, to answer your question at a more fundamental level, um, the entry point, you know, for anyone coming as a grad, coming as someone who's done two or three years in any industry is really about the softer skills and their application mm. across. So if you're a core engineer, like you're a software engineer, then obviously transferable skills are there. Yes. If you have moved into a business analyst role, a sales role, account management role, ops role in a bank, in a retailer, in a you know, multidiscipline ASX top 50 type company, yes, you can still transfer in. Mm. It's your ability to understand the softer skills that you have so empathy, uh, customer service that tends to stick together collectively, mm. orientation, analyst work, um, yeah, problem solving. Yes. These things as common softer skills or attributes of people that have come through a university system and then worked into a, a job. And that doesn't matter whether that's McDonald's or whether that is Macquarie Bank. The reality is the the fast growth ecosystem or the future running workers, we define it, offers that opportunity to do that. And in a program we ran a couple of years ago, the average person that moved out of a non-tech job and into our ecosystem and our world improved at an entry level their salary by 15%. Interesting. And so you can enter at any point. However, like there are many common grounds where there are gaps and so mm. forth. What we see is customer success, customer support mm. as being a huge entry point for someone that's got empathy, has got the ability to talk to a human, has yes. got the ability to just, you know, have a conversation on the phone or via mm-hmm. um, some method, via email, via written text. And so that's a really common entry point that we find that works. <clears throat> as well as content, which is people that can scribe things for e-commerce customers, for Instagram, right. for other channels. Then for people that are analysts or have some sort of software engineering background, you've got support level one, two, mm. where you do similar things, or you can work in more uh, an integration or an onboarding function that requires some level of integration. So most humans understand the methods of Uber and Deliveroo and uh, log where we're receiving food as an end user but in the back end there's an integration required with the restaurant 
Mm. Similar to an e-commerce customer that's partnering or, or delivering something to someone. There's a similar onboarding required and a similar integration and delivery cycle and method of the logistics and the supply chain that are quite common understandings in a Coles role or a McDonald's role or, or, or some sort of retailer. But cross-functionally, you can work for a perceivably cooler business growing in the right fashion and progressing your career by being involved that way. Yeah, nice. So if I was to summarize that, it sounds like uh, if you're on the customer um, service or customer focused orientated side, like entry into customer success or like support, um, if you've got the kind of core like people skills and then maybe maybe an entry level um, sales role if you've come from a sales background, like a BDR or something like yeah. that. On the analyst side, um, that was quite a good shout out actually I hadn't thought of like um, there's a range of analyst roles where if, even if you've been in FMCG and you've worked at Nestle head office as a grad and you're two years in, there's going to be a range of like um, analyst roles, you know, whether it sits in strategy teams or finance teams or even in product teams, um, that could be a good entry point. And then on, on the engineering side, um, there's a great, great call in terms of you don't have to necessarily jump straight on uh, the code base and actually, you know, creating products that actually goes to the end user you could your entry point could be on an integrations team or you know even starting on some like technical support levels and then that's a really great entry ramp into a tech startup yeah yeah no really good synopsis um, and out of those roles are there any that stand out that are really really hot right now like what are the ones that are that are most in demand at that kind of grad to first five-year mark yeah so for us like in the last three, four years, particularly, like there's a lot of, um, you know, trend to a singular point. And so this is not things we've come up with. This is studies done by RMAT online, by Deloitte, right. by the Tech Council Australia. So what I'm about to say are the common things that we're hearing in industry. Right. Now, I haven't read the only today released Tech Council's skill set shortage view yet. But it has come out. Right. I, I would anticipate it to not be too dissimilar to what, what we've seen over the last three years. So about three or four years ago, customer success, customer support, specifically customer success, was one of the biggest skill gaps and the future mm. skill gaps that we were going to need in Australia to, to sustain our dominance in B2B SaaS and, and other areas, you know, yes. within that. Um, that's not necessarily broken down concretely into marketplaces as well but we'll all know the factor that through covid we used a lot of delivery services yes and those delivery services haven't gone away so onboarding of restaurants onboarding of beer onboarding of anything that subscribes that need to get delivered to your house is a skill set that will be defined in that customer journey so mm. onboarding on demand but what we'll see and what we do see is international businesses now growing here more. And mm. again, those skill sets will derive around onboarding of customers. There's two ways you can do that. One is the sales orientation. So yes. what we define as an entry-level role as an SDR or BDR. Yep. So sales development rep or business development rep. And so these softer skills that would normally be seen in real estate or ad sales or just you know cold calling call center sales can be transferred easily into our world and probably mm. pay 10 to 20 percent more to do yes. that role and so what we commonly see is that that that, that will happen and there's a need for it as no, a big great. sales end to end and the progression from that role is 
normally in a SaaS or a marketplace business, sales, account exec, account manager, sales manager, if they decide to take a leadership route or did then just straight sales up into corporate and enterprise sales. Mm. And the softer side, some of the softer skills around ops and those things, they also exist as entry-level roles that are gaps, less so because demand is on growth right now mm. because the current status of the bit, you know, businesses that exist today. So for those who are not across venture-backed capital, uh, private equity-backed capital or bootstrap businesses, the requirement is around growth and profitability. And in today's world, it's seen as the plus-plus that everyone needs to get to. So yes. any role that is generating something that determines or is growing towards profit is seen as a plus plus. Yes. And so in marketplace businesses, that could be ROI on SEO, SEM, so growth, growth marketing or content related issues. RE, your role at entry level be the ability to write good content, the ability to uh, wordsmith or, or, or drive forward revenue through that channel. But mm. for those who don't have those skills, there are still engineering product roles at entry level that are also really important, like really great businesses that are scaled, that have done really well, still need product and engineering people at yes. entry level. And that, you know, you might come in at a junior level to do that. And those roles are, you know, junior engineer or junior product person or junior analyst, depending on the product type. And then you grow through that. And that's normally through user research testing, that's through coding development, that's through support at technical level to understand the customer journey. And that's another channel. And like, you know, without sort of talking too clinically on salaries, we're about to release our annual salary guide for 2022, 23. And what we find is that those those salaries, you know, are really at 65 to 100K. Yep. And it might not seem like a lot, but actually an entry level compared to other industries, that is a lot. That's far yes. greater and very much worth considering as a as a role functional type. Yeah, because I think there's almost like three three perspectives in terms of how it's attractive for someone coming you know outside of the non tech ecosystem. So like one is like it sounds like you're pretty much going to get a salary bump straight away of anywhere from ten to twenty percent. Like that's just a huge a huge plus. Then the second thing is obviously the exposure and the ability to go. Okay, well, is this what I'm passionate about? Maybe, but the ability to kind of quickly go sideways or like find other areas in the business is a lot easier than in more traditional industries, um, just because of the, the the dynamic nature of like how the, the how growth is is working, etc. And then usually, oh, yeah. you know, third, if you look at all the best, you know, employment award winners, they tend to all be on the tech spectrum because the, yeah. the competition is so strong for people and talent that they really get the fundamentals right. And it's not just about you know free beer and you know ping pong uh, setup. Like they actually, you know, genuinely put a really good effort into the like fundamentals of the culture and. Um, you know, good management structure and so forth. So there's sort of like three triple <laughs> areas yeah. to get a, get a pretty big bump in, you know, outside of, uh, you know, the, the pay side. Look, yeah, there's so many different ways you can enter our ecosystem well um, that rely on softer skills that people already have. Mm. Um, you know, that passion, that drive, that enthusiasm to want to learn. And I think mm. you articulated that previous podcast you know for me the energy enthusiasm that you create and the learning curve that you go on yes. is fantastic yes but to get yes. on that it it normally derives from someone who's willing to listen yes to want to be a part of that and believe in that as much as someone has got the skills to do it because founders don't have the time sometimes 
to really go through a core skill set. But what they have the time to do is look someone in the eyes and believe they're going to want to. Yes. And believe they're going to do that. And that rightly or wrongly means that someone will progress through in a good way, but they'll learn a heap more in doing that. But we're at that fundamental gap now in Australia where that is a very important thing for certain businesses at certain stages. Yes. Equally as important is people that are willing to train themselves outside of work through multitude of different um, available programs to learn what they believe is right for them and actually breaking back down to their core. Who are they? What are they? Are they a yes. great success manager? Are they a great Salesforce developer? Are they a great content manager right they need to actually unpick themselves and then choose that learn that and then enter the market mm. especially if they come from a, a an unknown industry or or someone that's less known because ultimately that there's myriad of different gaps across our ecosystem mm. and we know through tech Council australia that by 2030 we need an extra 420 to 50,000 people in our wow. And we're at 840-something thousand today. We will need to be about 1.2-ish in in less than 10 years. To do that, that's going to take some extraordinary effort for grads to just move in. So it's going to take people that aren't grads. It's going to take people that are sitting in the world today, that are sitting there without employment, that are sitting there in a boring industry or perceived boring industry to me and you, Michael where they should jump on the bandwagon in some way, shape, or form, learn about it, and jump over. Because that is a huge gap to cover in a, in a, in a country that is 25, 26 million. Yes. Fuck, that is a lot of people. Yeah, indeed. And that's that's why we've got the show, you know, because we, we know that there's a lot of great people that, that we've, you know, had come through the recruitment process. Um, you know, there was someone who was an analyst at, at, at Mars and Nestle uh, previously and sort of was like, oh, that's, you know, that shiny tech startup thing's quite interesting. And it was just by pure oh. chance that he knew someone that worked with us and then yeah. felt comfortable in putting his hand up saying, oh, maybe I have that. But they viewed, you know, the gap is too big. Like, you know, I've been in this yeah. FMCG thing for, you know, five years. Like, oh my God, like how, like well, what is that world of, of startups? And so we're pretty passionate about kind of just breaking it down and, and simplifying it. What would be some of your tips, um, you know, for this persona that we're talking about? And they're going like, shit, like I'm fired up about this stuff. You know, mm. they, they've got those kind of core skills. Um, they're willing to throw themselves into, you know, all the growth mindset stuff, et cetera. Like what's a, what's a great way um, to sort of, put your hand up and go, yes, like I'm, I'm interested in moving into this space. Yeah, that's sort of from grad to first five years. Yeah, so there's two ways, right? One, self-reflect. What am I actually good at? What do I believe I'm good at? And what are my mm. soft skills that I'm currently using today that will transcend into that? So whatever are you in, government, enterprise, corporate, family-owned business, and let's just use some easy examples that are familiar to Australia. You're a barista. Yes. Yes. You work in a coffee shop. Yes. Or you work in a restaurant, you work in a hospital. What we found on our previous program is those skill sets are really transferable into customer related roles. Yes. Great call. What are you doing as a barista? What are you doing as a restaurateur? You are helping a customer with their food, with their service, with their lab. Yes. That's exactly what you're doing in the technology business. Yes. Right. So there's a familiarity and a step through that is a common ground. So Mm. finding the common ground is step two. And then trying to meet people that are doing that role 
and using online services, whether it be ours or others in the world that exist, to look for videos on YouTube that say, hey, this is the role in the day in the life of a customer mm. success person or a Salesforce administrator or a content person or an SEO person or a true salesperson, whatever that may be, learning about it and understanding, hey, do I want to do it? Mm. Do I want to do it? That passion, that commitment to want to learn is step two. Step one, understanding who you are. Step two, committing to who you are and then going to go for that role and, you know, making that difference in terms of how you apply, how you connect. Any role in anywhere in the world, doesn't matter what seat you're in, that's that's a great like I actually like the way that you did that and it's also the way that um you put the onus back on the person as well right as opposed to oh, i'm pumped up about this stuff i watch you know some youtube clips i'm keen to get in startups and then just like reach out to a vc or reach out to a recruiter um and then put the, the burden on them to try to figure out where to place you like actually spending some time going okay like what is it that i want like what is it i'm good at like okay what are some of the skills and the competencies that i have now okay based on that what are all the different types of roles within a startup okay, i've researched you know, uh, customer success. So actually probably makes sense that maybe I just started a service entry point, like on, a, on the, on the, you know, managing service tickets, et cetera. Um, and then getting quite specific about finding the role that you think you'd be, you yeah. know, good at. And then it's pretty easy then, cause then you can just search LinkedIn or whatever the job board may be right. uh, for that particular role. Um, and then of course you can get more advanced in finding companies that you're interested in going directly, or you can find the recruiters or you can find the VCs that can place you, but actually getting quite specific about the role um, to at least put your hand up as the, as the starting point. Uh, that's a great, that's a great call. Yeah. And like, I think probably just adding to that with some sort of, realization in in many ways is that you're not as an entry-level person certainly in that naught to one to five years mark mm. really gonna get a job through a vc right you, mm. you're gonna need to get it through a contact you're gonna get it need you know through a non-advertised model so you might if in the, you're in a stage you might go to a graduate boot camp where there's a lot of vcs and a yes. lot of jobs that's cool doesn't happen so much in australia Happens a little bit in Europe and UK, less so because US is more advanced. Right. You know, what what does happen around the whole world that is a common ground is that there's a respect and trust given to someone that's already in there. It's in that job one or two steps ahead. Yes. You, that is compassionate or passionate about who you are and where you've come from. You might have done the same university degree. You might come from the same mm. town. You might be related but that entry point as a referrer around your core competency and skill, like we both worked as grads together right. at Till, at Tesco, or right. at Mark's Spencer's. Yeah, and I can now see that you're at you know, Uber doing X, Y, Z. Like, hey, I'd love to just catch up and hear more about your day-to-day job to see if that's Correct. something that I'm interested in. Correct. And normally, you know, people hang around with people with similar traits, similar skills, yes. similar attitudes. And so as a result, it's a common ground. So... To start with, like, whether you aren't or you are, you need to ask your friends, like, hey, is anyone's partner? Is anyone mm. boyfriend? Is anyone husband? Or is anyone wife? Is anyone's cousin? Is anyone's uncle? <laughs> auntie? Are they in tech? Can yeah. I meet them? Can I understand yeah, what yeah, they yeah. do? You know, I got my first job in the world through someone that I was doing a contracting job for saying, hey, you're better than this. Right. Can you like, go and see my nephew? He right. works in something where your skills would be better assumed nice i'm like sure why not like i'm happy to work in this warehouse i enjoy it like no no you should go meet my cousin like you know you're better than this and like you know it doesn't matter where you start from like being referred into something 
you know, nine times out of 10, you get a meeting. You at least get the conversation. Yeah. And if you're more confident as a result in that method of introduction, RE, a warm introduction is better than trying to apply to a job who does such a great you. call. Yes. It's a better outcome. Like, you know, and recruiters' jobs, when you're an internal recruiter in a talent acquisition role or HR role, your job is to say no more than yes. Yes. Because you've been told to look for attributes and skill sets by your line manager around, I'm looking specifically for three-year SaaS experience. Right, that ideally they've done it before, yeah. So if you to get your entry point in, you're going to have to ideally hustle a bit more and be quite specific about the role and, and be passionate about that and be clear about it, but then also have that warm, that warm yes. intro that's going to be far more likely to have that conversation. Yeah, and quite often the diversity that that presents gives in a better output for the company, but the realisation is that not every company is set up on that dynamic. Mm. A lot of time we spend is coaching companies on how to change that dynamic to think mm. that way. But mm. ultimately for marketplace businesses and service-based businesses, depending on their role type, you need diversity of thought because the customer is different. So let's yes. use the example we talked about earlier, like um, you know something like a Deliveroo or an Uber or a Menulog, or a grab, or you know, depending on how globally dynamic we're getting here, ultimately the end customer is an everyday human. Yes. And their age range as a customer is yes. between 90 and, I don't know, what the earliest you'd order an Uber or, yes. a or something is, that you've probably got 10-year-olds doing it for their parents, right? Right. Ultimately, the end user is who you want to be the customer success person. There's empathy. There's, hey, I didn't arrive. You're like, oh okay, let me talk to you Right on the phone. It's not just going to be a 28-year-old who's graduated from Stanford or graduated from Harvard or graduated from LSE or right. graduated from, you know, is an ex-banker at Macquarie. It's going to be a diverse range of population and therefore our ecosystem needs a diverse range of people in the businesses to understand that customer journey, how the product needs to be built, who the buyers are, who the end users are, because they are different. They come from a diverse range of backgrounds. They aren't just static to being a certain yes. type. Yes, it makes sense. No, I mean, it's like, you know, sometimes if you're not familiar with the tech industry, it can, it can be almost a bit daunting to think that they're all the, really? the folks in, in T-shirts sitting behind a laptop all day, you know, doing stuff that I don't understand. But actually behind the scenes, um, yeah, a DoorDash is going to need to sign up a local yeah. Uh, business and then that local business needs to have trust and understand well like what's the benefit to my business to have that and that, that's a that's a human to human um engagement both in a sign up process or the ongoing um support of that etc so we've talked a little bit about the um sort of junior to mid like that zero to five i want to finish on um some of the senior roles but just before we go there like you talked about uh, i suppose a bunch of programs around getting um skills to you know, be ready for, you know, the tech world or for the digital um, era and the world. And and I think this is this is, this is something that I'm pretty passionate about as well. So I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, what, what those programs look like. Um, and because that can even be like step zero, right? Like step one and two and three, which we were talking about. But sort of step zero could just be like, okay, let me just understand the very, very basics, um, you know, of, of those kind of skills and competencies uh, for the tech ecosystem. Yeah. Do you want to touch on what, what they what they look like? Yeah, so um, thank you. We, we developed a, a program a few years ago, um, which has now turned out to be called Project One. So the, the importance of Project One is to think about yourself as one and look after yourself as a human and actually think about, hey, how can I better what I am today and understand more about what I am today? 
in order to then go and do what I want to try and do in life, right? Mm. And so for me, that at a base level, the program has been set up to actually start to help people understand what their core competencies are from their environment that they've learned from, which is non-tech, right? Right, right. So we are all brought up a certain way in a certain school system with a certain set of parents or non-parents. We are all then moved into a world where we work and live in whatever shape or form that is. But those softer skills and that understanding of the impact those skills have are all very relatable into our tech ecosystem. And we've proved that out already. So we've done that demonstration of using it normally at a board and exec level, which you've been through, Michael, mm. and actually transferring that down. And so uh, through COVID, we took 200 displaced workers um, and move them into tech roles with no tech experience by breaking that boundary down. So the fundamental basics of understanding yourself and what skills are transferable, softer or environmental into the new world, so future di- uh, economy of work, if you like, and that's e-commerce, that's SaaS, that is um, a variety of different businesses that you and I will be- know better than others, but MarTech, AgTech, Health right. tech, med tech, wellness tech, like the, the, the range in which technology sits across every industry now is extreme yes. to the point that, you know, if you've got a, a travel experience background, you've got a retail background, a hospital background, a banking background, it's accessible and movable into fintech, med tech, ag tech, all these different dynamics. Mm, mm, understanding an industry is great. And then how it relates to a customer journey is also great in tech. But people don't understand necessarily always that balanced view and and understand why it might be valuable. But the program really works on a basis of understanding a human better and understanding themselves better and then training and developing them and using uh, people in our ecosystem, which is hundreds and hundreds of people that we've placed globally and we know globally and locally that have that functional experience stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four through a career, mm-hmm. and can explain what a day in the life of a human is. Mm. And if people have the capacity, both budgetly or, or desire, to invest in themselves more, and we direct them to bespoke courses that have been built specifically around something that relates to that growth. That's great. That's great. And is that something you have to apply for, or is that uh, something that people can, can go through an online um, experience? Yeah, it's an online experience. Um, and in essence, it's an online experience that they apply for because this desire to apply that also counts. Starts with oneself. Starts with commitment. And then at yep. that point, then depending on the program type, so there's paid and unpaid, depends on how it's supported. So we're really yep. fortunate to be supported by some government agencies. Nice. Again, some corporate businesses and tech companies are supporting us to say, we want to see these people show us regardless and we'll pay yes. for that on an... And, there's no cost to the human in certain states and in certain verticals based on that support that we've seen from industry. Oh, that's great. That's great. We'll we'll, um, we'll put a link in the, the show notes. And so maybe um, a, a final place to finish on I suppose, are some more of those more senior roles. Um, so let's take someone that's maybe come from, from management consulting or, yeah. you know, done some strategy stuff, or maybe they've come across from finance world, you know, and sort of 
uh, PE or investment banking, and, and so they're like, oh, it should be interesting to go over onto the tech, onto the tech uh, side of the fence. Um, yeah, what, what do you see there in terms of exec roles, and and yep. and, and where's the biggest demand? Um, you know, on the, on the on the tech side. So yeah, like in mid October, we'll release our annual salary guide. Um, our annual salary guide will show a couple of things, which will include like annual salaries of transferable skill sets and needs. That's a super um, great report, by the way. Thank you for continuing to put that out uh, year on year. It's always been super useful for us internally when we're working yeah. out um, salary bands and what's a fair amount to pay. It's uh, it's broken down by you know stage of startup and like all the very specific roles. So we'll link to that as well. And it's um, important to note that because the biggest point in coming from management consultants or an executive layer is to understand you can't get point for point salary. You work in a bank, you work in a retail company, an FMCG company, probably right. in business and you're an exec role or a head of or, you know, senior role. Yes. The salary doesn't match normally. Mm. And so depending on the stage of startup, be it C to A, A to B, B to C, isn't really about what it's about. So language wise, we see that all the time. A seed business, an A business, B business could receive 1 million or 10 million, 10 million or 40 million. Right. But what tends to happen, whether it is transferable or not, is the commitment that the founder or the C-suite team deserves from someone is to say, hey, we can't afford you, but we love you. <laughs> you love us, we love you. Let's work on this. So step down base salary, step up equity, STI. And so we're in a fortune position where funding exists more fluidly globally. It has done in the US for many years. UK is a bit ahead of us. Asia is a bit ahead of us. Australia is coming through where we know we've got a much bigger uplift. Um, there's not enough skills. There's not enough scar tissue in certain markets outside of America where it can just come straight out of another business like a Google or a Facebook or a, or a Uber or somewhere. So we have to get them from corporate to other areas as well. And if they've got a corporate backing, let's just say it's a retail tech. If they come out of retail, there's an obviously a cleaner line. Mm. The biggest challenge we've seen is not the skill set, is the ability to commit. And we appreciate people's life circumstances, mm. but ultimately not everyone gets paid in a comfort salary like they do in a big corporate. Um, and that's what startups, unfortunately or fortunately, are about. I think where we've seen success most is where people have made a commitment full stop across any mm. role. They've committed to the tech industry. And for that, they've worked for four years in a company and it's vested and it's done well. Mm. The output over that four-year period is far greater, not just on the base salary accumulated, but the output of the win. Makes and sense. Some really early examples of this a decade ago, where when we were building Yammer out into Australia, mm. Yammer was acquired by the time we built the team by Microsoft. Yes. And before they'd almost started, so people had started done their onboarding right. three week four month three month four, all their stock had liquid had become liquid, <laughs> and they hadn't really worked. Because right. when your stock's your stock, it's a percentage of your base. And when someone buys you, it just gets paid out. Yes. And so they got paid out the equivalent of their whole two or three-year life cycle of salary plus their right. salary. And all of a sudden, they paid their mortgage off. Now, I'm not yes. saying that's the case every single time. 
but that is where it works out and it works out because the risk factor someone's willing to take now it doesn't happen in that purpose all the time but there are people that joined buy now pay later if you're in australia and join yes. after pay where they've got a great result there are people that have joined a myriad of different businesses that people know globally like a stripe or a slack or a Dropbox, right. where they stay around and and the stay around time people need to understand which is you commit to something you change you develop yes. you grow and it tends to be in a in tech ecosystem four years can be a bit longer depending on whether they're in a stock system or not yes but ultimately um what you're looking at is a different career transition from what my parents or my grandparents did which is 20 years at a bank or 20 right. years at a record label which is in these four to five year cycles if you commit and you do and you achieve the transferable result is your salary whatever bonus you've got and you're in a bonus role or non-bonus role but the output is whatever the quality of that stock's worth tends to be a multiple of all those four years worth of work added mm. together. Mm. So the life-changing amount that people can receive is greater than if I worked at a bank for the same time for four years, or I worked Makes at sense. a retailer, or insurance company, or a wherever else. What we're saying is that anyone that's committed will can win if they mm. find their place in the right spot. Yes. And yes, people that are smart, curious, committed, yes, they can win. But there is no role personality or there's no role function that will do better than another because it's all about the industry they're in. So after mm. I was in retail, so it played heavily into people that had a knowledge in that space. Yes. The same as like Stripe, which is in payments, which played heavily into it. That meant that you could come from managing consulting background and, and analyze stuff or that the guys that we originally worked with the place there in the first few hires here actually came from aerospace oh interesting you know and they were looking for people that are more curious with a different way of solving a problem to fit into the product dynamic here so it is a much broader range and the people that we saw success on our last program at an early entry level stage a lady that worked 15 years in retail like you know running some butamon stuff which mm -hmm. is very relevant to australia so Globally, you're looking at tier one restaurant type sales right. transferred into e-commerce head of, you know, user experience now came from into customer, moved up to user experience and now runs a team of four people after 12 months in the job. And that's because mm. of the empathy that the skill set she had in understanding the retail customer and the experience mm. of retail front of house for 15 years, you know, 10 years in a top tier, five years in other areas, transferred into e-commerce, became very successful because she would never have seen that if that mm. didn't, if COVID didn't make her redundant, wouldn't have happened. Mm. Anyway, mm. And then we saw a similar incident with someone within the travel industry, like working at a criminal flight center, yes. doing a travel tech business as an onboarding expert. She understood the industry, but could get paid 10 to 15% more. Another guy we know, um, you know, he's running a gym. His gym ran out of business in COVID. Right. Um, and so running a gym is like, you know, hard. Like it's very personal. You're doing one-on-one -on -one relationships, that, but then you're still having to keep more people in. So you hire a team of personal trainers, you manage them. At the same time, you still got to get customers in for those people. Yeah. So you ended up in like a customer success role a tech business. Right. I think the guy there, eight till eight, you know, not that that's a great ethically responsible sure. like, time frame, but 
he was outperforming these 21, 25-year-olds as a 38, you know, to 40-year-old. Yeah. Because he was listening. He had resilience, you know, and age is no barrier in our sector. Mm. And in fact, it's almost more important that we get a better balance in our sector because that's the end user. Mm. There's opportunities outside the core things. So when you talk about high-level experience, it's not necessarily I've been at a BCG McKinsey or I've worked at a big bank. It's actually I've got founder experience. I've got life experience. But, like, you know, to me, um, you know, you you look across the companies that we work with and so it's less about the experience that I never said. If I look at a lot of founders we work with and companies we work with, they weren't necessarily in tech. Mm. <laughs> they started from somewhere where they're an industry expert, whether right. they're a insurer, whether a retailer, whether they experienced at a low-level employee level a problem in their company. Mm. So it's not even, hey... <laughs> You can't do it. There's so many examples of the founders that can do it, plus the examples we've seen where we can transfer the softer skills and move them forward. And if you really look hard, you know, across our our world, the world wasn't big enough in the first instance in Australia in tech to have mm. people experience. Mm. So a lot of those people grew out of nothing because of their resilience, because of their empathy, because of their ability to want to. And then they just grew into other roles. So if we look at the community today, people with like 10 years experience, that 10 years experience is based on the principle that they were willing to take a risk and commit to something that they had no idea what they're doing. And they found themselves in an area and grew, did well, built empathy, support, whatever they may have done. And now they're here. And so if I look across the board of people I know, having been here 15 years in Australia and done this job for 22 years globally, and I look just in our space in tech and I see these people I've known for like five years, 10 years, 15 years that are performing. When I first met them, it was like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Help me. Right. And, and the beauty of tech and the reason I'm saying that on this podcast is that what is beautiful when you go to conferences, when you go to whatever you want to call them, exhibitions, online right. meetups these days is if you've got the right attitude, people will Mm. willingness and openness to ask for help people will help you and in our world more than many maybe and i'm not played in any other world for 15 years what i see is people willing to help even with our staff who've joined us from when we're building a med tech team they've joined us as doctorates from other areas where they understand the med tech if you ask the right questions in the right area people will support you people mm. want to do well and and embrace you and everyone coming back to bed post-COVID and the impact these events having on our ecosystem is massive. And that sharing in the community is phenomenal. Mm. And it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, you can know nothing but learn from so many people when to give over your first month, two months, three months. No one knew anything about any company before it was built because products in our world are built from scratch. Yes. And no one's an expert. And yes. that you all have to learn together if you get in day one. And sometimes day 365 or days 1,095, you're still learning because you're pivoting. Yes. yes. And then we have to transfer the customer base because the pivot was so different. It's a new right. learning. 
So it's not about knowing everything. It's about the attitude and the change that you're willing to go through to get to learning something that is more critical almost than the end product knowledge. I love that. What a great place to end, JJ. Absolute pleasure chatting again. We'll make sure we link up uh, both to your profile and the items that you mentioned. Um, Thank you for what you're doing in the tech community. Yeah, thanks, Michael. Thanks, Kai, for having me. It's great to be a part of what you're doing. I love what you're doing and the thesis that you've built, and I look forward to supporting you in the future. Woo! Appreciate it. Thanks, JJ. If you're enjoying the first few episodes of Startup Jobs, subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast app. It helps us out big time.